0: As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah, happy to be back. Alhamdulillah. Okay, are you ready? Na'madhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'd fa'a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Rabbish rahli sadri wa yasalli amri wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli rabbana zidna ilma. So we're studying Kitab-u Salah in Bukhari. And today, inshallah, we will begin from Bab number 16. These abwab are basically about the clothing in prayer. Meaning what kind of clothing should a person be wearing when he is praying salah. And also inshallah today we will learn about the place of prayer. Meaning where can a person pray and where can a person not pray. Bab man salla fi farrooji haririn summa naza'ahu. Man salla, the one who prayed, fi farrooji haririn. In a silk garment. Summa naza'ahu and then he removes it. As you know that silk, wearing silk is something that is not permissible for men. Because in a hadith we learned that the man who wears silk in this dunya will be deprived of it in the hereafter. He will not be able to wear it in the hereafter. And in the Quran, what do we learn? That the clothing of the people of paradise is of what material? Silk. So in surat Al-Insan, we learn about that. That, وَجَزَاهُمْ بِمَا صَبَرُوا جَنَّةً وَحَرِيرًا. right? Their reward because of their patience is jannah and harir. So for men wearing silk is something that is forbidden. So if a man is wearing a garment of silk in prayer, how? Accidentally or out of ignorance. And then what happens after the prayer? Nazarahu, He removes it. Like he pulls it away as if he is discarding it, as if he is throwing it. Why? Because On the realization that he performed a prayer in garment that is, in clothes that are not permissible for him to wear. And the word farrooj is used for a long garment that is open from the back. So it's like a person is wearing a dress and on top of that he wears this garment on top and it's open from the back. But the question is that if a man wears silk, okay, and silk is what? so Muharram. It's forbidden cloth for him. Is a salah valid? Even if it was accidentally or out of ignorance, is a salah valid? Does he need to repeat the prayer? The answer is that yes his salah is valid he does not need to repeat the prayer. What's the evidence? Had Abdullah <laughs> ibn Yusuf qala hadathana al-laysu an Yazidah an Abi al-Khair an Ukbah ibn Amir qala uhdiya ila al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faruj harir. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was gifted he was given what? A faruj of harir. A faruj a specific kind of a long garment that was made of silk. Fala bi sahu then he wore it. فصلى فِيهِ And he also prayed in it. ثم so صَرَفَ Then when he finished the prayer, what happened? فَنَّزَعَهُ Then he pulled it. Nazan شَدِيد And severely he pulled it away, meaning he removed it. how كَالْكَارِهِ لَهُ As if he disliked it. كَالْكَارِهِ Like the one who dislikes. Lahu For it meaning the silk garment. وَقَالَ And he said, لَا يَنْبَغِي هَذَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ This is not appropriate For who? For the people of taqwa. Now the Prophet ﷺ, he wore the silk garment. This does not mean that wearing silk is permissible for men. This perhaps happened at a time when silk was not forbidden. Okay? And later on it was made forbidden. And even if at that time it was not forbidden, the fact that he removed it so violently as if he disliked it, and the fact that he said this is something that does not befit those who have taqwa, then it proves that this is something no longer allowed for men. Men are not allowed to wear silk. But there is a very important lesson that we learned from this. First of all, we learned that the Prophet ﷺ did not break the prayer in the middle. What did he do? He completed the prayer and as soon as he finished, he just threw that garment away. So what does it show then? That during the prayer, if a person realizes that their clothing is haram, okay, so for example there is a picture on it. Obviously, if it's nudges that's a different story. But because if there's uncleanliness on your garment, then you have to get rid of it. Like the Prophet ﷺ was once wearing shoes which were not clean. And when Jibreel told him, what did he do? He removed them in the prayer. But if it's it's a different situation, where, for example, a person realizes that there's a picture on the clothes. There's a cross on the clothes. Likewise, he realizes that this cloth does not belong to me. This is somebody else's abaya. Right, You go to the bathrooms and you took your buy-off to make your wudu and then you thought it was yours, you put somebody else's on and then during the prayer you're like, this, this might be theft and I'm praying salah in clothes that I've taken through theft. So what do you do? During the prayer you break the salah and then you take those clothes off and you change? No, you don't do that. You don't break the prayer, you wait until the end and then you deal with the clothes. Secondly, the second thing that we see here is that the Prophet ﷺ did not repeat the prayer. So, salah in forbidden clothes is valid. It is valid. This doesn't mean that a person should deliberately wear such clothes. Obviously, this would happen by accident. But during the prayer, don't break it. After the salah, you do not need to repeat it. One more thing that we notice here is that the Prophet ﷺ he said لا ينبغي هذا للمتقين. This garment does not befit the people of taqwa. Why? What's the connection over here with taqwa and wearing silk? What's the connection? Okay. That first of all, silk is forbidden. But even let's say if at that time it was not forbidden because the Prophet ﷺ was wearing it, why did he say that wearing such a garment is something that does not befit the muttaqeen? Because such a garment, soft, silk, expensive, it's a rich garment, right? It's garment of zina, right? And when a person is wearing it, he becomes very muzayyan. And sometimes it happens that if you're wearing overly muzayyan clothes, then what will happen? Your feelings will change. The way you move in salah, the way you carry yourself, the way you stand, the way you do rukur, everything will change. Because your perception of, of yourself changes, right? And then instead of fearing Allah, the focus becomes the people. Riyah comes in the heart. This is why, if there is something that a person wears and it changes his perception of himself, it makes him proud, it brings about that arrogance, then what should he do? He should remove that. She should remove that. And wait until the heart is more settled and then wear it again. But if you feel that every time you wear a particular watch, you know, you just feel different. Then avoid it. Just recently, my husband was telling me he was listening to Mufti Meng's lectures, and he had mentioned something of this kind. That if there's something that really gets to you, like over, you become very obsessive over it, then remove it. There is a problem over there. So, because kibur is coming, riya is coming. And this is something that destroys good deeds. So, لا hada هذا للمتقين. Yes, that she's mentioning how a friend of hers, she got a ring, and she said it was distracting her in salah So she got rid of it So I like, remember the Prophet ﷺ He had the curtain removed Why? Because it distracted him So it doesn't mean that wearing such clothes Or wearing jewelry is something that a person should not do at all No قُلْ مَنْ حَرَّمَ زِينَةً لَّتِي أَخْرَجَ اللَّهُ لِعِبَادِهِ That Allah subhanahu wa taala has produced this zina For His servants to wear, to use So it is permissible for you to wear it But if in salah it is distracting you Avoid it Sulaiman Salam, also when his horses distracted him from prayer to the point that his salah got delayed, then what happened? He had all those horses, he slaughtered them himself. Exactly. The highest level of concentration is required at that time. So if there's anything that's distracting you, then avoid it. You know, sometimes it's the bangles of a person. You know, they do takbir and a big chan-chan sound, and they go down into ruku, big chan sound. So if it distracts you, then do something about it. Definitely something that is made of silk completely. Uh, that's not permissible at all. However, I do not know the evidence, but I have heard the opinion that if there is some silk on the cloth, then that is okay. But it's best to avoid it. You know, it's best to avoid it. When there are so many other things available, then why not uh, use that? Bab, As-Salati fi thawb al-Ahmar. Praying in a red garment. Again, wearing red is something. Forbidden for men okay? Because a man once came to the Prophet Wearing all red And the Prophet when he saw him He turned his face away So wearing red is something that's not allowed for men So can they wear red in prayer Now this is men not women Silk also for men And this red clothing is also for men حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي عُمَرُ بْنُ أَبِي زَائِدَةَ عَنْ عَوْنِ بْنِ أَبِي جُحَيْفَةَ عَنْ أَبِيهِ قَالَ رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي قُبَّةٍ حَمْرَاءَ مِنْ Adam. He said, I saw the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فِي قُبَّةٍ حَمْرَاءَ in a leather tent. Okay, قُبَّة is a leather tent. And it was hamra, meaning it was red in color. And it was min adam. It was made from adam. Adam meaning Julud. So it was made from animal skins. So in other words, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was in a leather tent. He was taking its shade. وَرَأَيْتُ بِلَالًا And I saw Bilal رضي الله عنه أَخَذَ He he had taken, he was holding وَضُوءَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The wudu water of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم And then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performed wudu And what happened? وَرَأَيْتُ النَّاسَ And I saw the people يَبْتَدِرُونَ ذَاكَ الْوَضُوءَ They were rushing, hastening towards that wudu That wudu meaning that wudu water Meaning the water that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم had used before performing his wudu, that was collected in a bowl, in in a in, in a vessel, and Bilal who had it, and what happened? The people rushed to take it, to use it. Why? For tabarruk. right? شيئا, so whoever found something from it, reached something of it, meaning he he got his hands on some water, meaning he got some water. What happened? the He he wiped himself with it. So. People rushed towards that water, wet their hands and wiped themselves with it. Wamalam Yusib شَيْئًا and whoever did not find anything from it, Akhada, he took Min Balali from the wetness of yadi صَاحِبِهِ of the hand of his friend. So if his friend, his companion, managed to get some water on his hands and he rubbed himself with it, but his hands were still wet, and this person didn't get anything, what did he do? He wet his hands from the wetness that was found on his companion's hands because he wanted something from it ثُمَّ رَأَيْتُ بلالا, Then I saw Bilal أَخَذَ عَنَزَةً Who had taken an anaza What is anaza? A small spear فركزها, And then he had firmly planted it okay? So he took a small spear and he had firmly planted it in the ground وَخَرَجَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And the Prophet went out, meaning he came out before the people, hamra In a red hullah. What is hullah? A robe. So he was wearing a robe that was red, and mushammiran He had gathered it up. You know, because if it's a robe and it's loose, then it'll spread everywhere. So sometimes what happens is that people, if they're wearing long clothes, they will Gather them up and perhaps tie them around the waist, okay? Just so that it's easy for them to move around. So he had gathered it up. Then he prayed towards the anaza, towards that spear that Bilal anhu had put in the ground. And he prayed bin nasi with the people, raq'ataini, to raq'a. وَرَأَيْتُ النَّاسَةً And I saw the people, Dawab And some animals, يَمُرُونَ They were passing العنزة, before the Anaza, before the spear. So the spear was there for the purpose of sutra. And the people and animals they were passing behind the sutra. Now this incident occurred at the place of Abtah When the Prophet ﷺ reached there before he left for Minna in the year of Hajjatul Wada'a. Okay? Because remember, it was only two times in the life of the Prophet ﷺ that he allowed this to happen when people uh, took his wudu water and rubbed it over himself. Once, it happened at the time of Hudaybiyah, And secondly, it happened at the time of Hajjitul Wada. So this incident occurred when? At the time of Hajjitul Wada. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he reached the place of Abtah, there was a small tent over there, and he was taking its shade. Bilal al anhu had his wudu water. And when the Prophet ﷺ performed wudu, the people hastened to take the fadl of his wudu in order to seek barakah. And remember that this is only in the case of the Prophet ﷺ, we have discussed its details earlier. So I do not wish to go over those details again. But anyway, this was only for who? For the Prophet Now, we see here that he came out wearing a red hullah. And we know that red is forbidden. And this incident happened when? al Wadar, Which was towards the end of the Prophet's life. Wasallam. So if there is something that happened towards the end of his life, we take it as غَيْرْ مَنسُوخِ We take it as final. We take it as something that is permissible. So what does it mean then? This is not a contradiction here. The thing is that this garment was not solid red. This robe that he was wearing was not solid red. It had red marks on it. Its a'lam were red. You know, this is just like you have a cloth. It has a pattern on it. And let's say it has black dots on it. okay, Or black lines on it. Or black squares on it or something like that triangles, whatever you want to call it. So you refer to it as sometimes just black. Can you pass me that black hijab? Right? It's not solid black, it has black in it. And sometimes if it has multiple colors, you can't start naming every single color that's on the garment. You will just say one and that's sufficient. So the narrator, what did he say? That he was wearing a red garment. But it was not solid red, it had some red in it okay which is why it was called red but a man is not allowed to wear solid red okay so for example if your brother or your husband or your son wants to wear a red jersey and it has a big black or white number on the front or on the back or a name or something it's not solid red likewise if they wish to wear a dress shirt which has red lines on it there's no there's no haraj Okay? Because sometimes we just generalize as red, haram. I remember somebody was telling me that somebody they know walked in, in front of their mother wearing a red jersey. And their mother, the first thing she said, haram, haram, take that off. So it should not be all red. It should not be solid red. There should be some other color in it as well. Okay? The reason, why do you think men are not allowed to wear silk? They're not allowed to wear red. Why? Why? Because it's very attractive It's something that really beautifies a person And this is something that befits women only Now when it comes to silk It's soft And when you're wearing it What happens? You become so particular about how you move Correct? And men are required to be rough and tough I mean these men Were supposed to go for jihad Now a man who wears silk They can't go Okay, if a man is very concerned about his clothes, then he can't do much work. If a man needs to work in the yard, he needs to go beyond the look of his clothes. If he has to go, you know, do some physical work, like even carrying boxes or furniture or anything like that, then he has to go beyond his clothes. And if he's wearing silk clothes, then I can't do this work because my clothes are like this and my clothes will get ruined. And there's also another hikmah behind it. When men are not allowed to wear silk, gold, red, then alhamdulillah their women can enjoy them. Because you know how some men, they keep all the money with themselves. Right? They don't give money to their wives. If they were allowed to wear gold, do you think they would give any gold to their wives? If they were allowed to wear silk, do you think they would give silk to their wives? No. So, some men, not all, some. Anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's al-hakim and we accept His. Praying on the roof, on the mimbar, and on wood. Sutuh, sath, roof. Mimbar is the mimbar on which the Imam stands when he's giving the khutbah, and khashab, wood. Now, wood over here refers to something that is made of wood, such as a bed, or maybe a wooden bridge. Could be furniture, could be a structure. So, all these things that are mentioned over here the roof the member something made of wood whether it's furniture or a structure all of these things are you know when a person is standing on it he's going to be high Okay, he's going to be elevated now we know that a person should be praying on ard but ard does it mean literally ard like ground or can a person let's say if there is a stage like for example in this classroom and it's made of wood can a person pray salah on that yeah they can it's not literally ground, it's not mud, it's not sand, it's not concrete. But yes, they can, right? Likewise, roof. Can a person pray on the roof? Yeah. Even if it's made of wood or some other material, yes, they can. Likewise, a bridge. Can they pray on that? Definitely they can. Now, remember that there's a couple of things that we learned from this bab. First is that a person can pray on a high surface, Whatever it is, whether it's a piece of furniture or a structure, a person can pray on a high surface. The second thing that we learn from this is that a person can pray salah on these structures or high places as imam, as ma'mum, and even individually. So for example, if a person is leading others in prayer, let's say the imam is in the masjid. Okay? He's in the masjid. And the people who are praying behind him, the masjid is full. masjid is completely full, like we witnessed in the month of Ramadan. And now some people, they go up on the roof in order to pray. For example, now the imam is on one level, and the ma'moon is on another level. Is that permissible? Yes, it is permissible. Likewise, if a person is praying by himself, on the roof, that's permissible. Now let's say imam. There's a stage in the front of the masjid. Okay, So he stands on the stage and there is a couple of people who can stand behind him on the stage and the rest of the people are on the ground. Is that permissible? Yes, it is. Let's say there are so many people who have recently become Muslim, they are learning how to pray properly and if the Imam is praying on the ground with them, they won't be able to see him. Hmm? So he says, okay, the mimbar is pretty big, let me just stand on the mimbar and lead others in prayer so that they can see me praying is that permissible? Yes, it is. The imam can also pray on the mimbar. Obviously, he will have to come down for sajda. But everything else he can do on the mimbar. So, this is the second thing that we learn. And the third thing that we learn from this bab is that salah can be performed on surfaces that are made of different materials. The material doesn't matter. It could be carpet, it could be concrete, it could be grass, it could be mud, it could be sand, could be wood. As long as it is tahir, a person can pray. So what are three things that we learn from this bab? Firstly, you're allowed to pray on high ground, high level. Secondly, it doesn't matter if it's the Imam, the Ma'moom, or a person is praying individually. It doesn't matter. You can pray on a higher level, on a different level. And thirdly, that the ground, the surface that you're praying on can be of different materials. There is absolutely no harm in this. Qala Abu Abdullah, Abu Abdullah meaning Imam Bukhari, he said, وَلَمْ يَرَ الْحَسَنُ And حَسَن, he did not see any harm and you that a person prays على الجمْدِ on ice. Now ice is a layer of what? Frozen water on ground. It's not really ground. It's a layer. So you're like a step above, right? You're not praying on the ground. There's no harm. وَالقَنَاطِر and bridges. Because the bridge is not really ground. So there's no harm in that. Even he said wa in even if it flows under it, meaning under the bridge, what flows under it? Baulun, urine. أو فَوْقَهَا or above it. So for example, a person is praying on one side of the bridge and the other side of the bridge there's like urine, you know, dirty water flowing over the bridge. No harm. Hmm? Sewers like you have in many places they're open. So Let's say the bridge on one side is clean, but on the other side it's it's flooded, and so uh, urine and such things are flowing over. There is no harm. Oh, amamaha, or even in front of it. Ida kana baynahuma sutra. This is important. As long as there is between them two, between who two, between the person and the najasa, what sutra? a barrier. As long as there is a barrier between the person and the najasa. Now this is a side point that Imam Bukhari has derived over here, from the fact that Salah can be performed at a high place, a surface that is elevated from the original ground, whether it's a layer of ice, snow, bridge, roof, etc. So the point over here is that when a person is praying on a high level, there could be Najasa above, below, nearby, and this is not a problem. And even otherwise, it's not a problem. As long as there is a barrier... Because the Musalli, the person who is praying Salah, should not have direct contact with the Najasa. Meaning he should not be touching the Najasa. And the place where he is doing the sajda should not be touching the Najasa. Now, you might say, well, this doesn't happen to us. But, you know, sometimes it happens that you are, let's say, praying in your living room and there happens to be a washroom right above the living room. Right? And you hear somebody using the washroom. Right? And sometimes you can literally hear the drainage pipe. Right? You can sometimes literally hear that. So that, remember, it does not disturb your prayer. You can pray under the washroom even. You can pray next to a wall in which is a drainage pipe that is hidden, that is concealed. Now There is a barrier between you and the filth. Alright? There is a barrier between you and the filth. Likewise, under the ground, there are drainage pipes. There could be. No harm in that, as long as it's not leaking, okay, and the place where you're praying is not dirty. And remember that sutra over here, what does it mean? Barrier. So in summary, what do we learn? That a person can pray anywhere, anywhere, as long as the place is clean. Which place? The place where he's doing sajda. And the musalli is not touching any najasa, meaning no najasa he's not going to have any contact with it then his prayer is valid now, even to the point that the scholars have said that if there is najasa somewhere, and a person puts like a clean mat on it, okay then he can pray on it you know that there is najasa on the ground let's say, you know there is najasa on the ground, but you put a, you place a barrier, what's the barrier? a mat whether it's in the form of a prayer mat or something, and you can pray on it because you are not touching the Najasa. It's ideal that you are far from Najasa as far as possible, but every situation is not ideal. So in that situation, are you going to leave the prayer? Are you going to delay it? No, you're not going to. You should just not hold the child. Okay? When you know that the diaper is dirty, don't hold the child. But let's say they are, they came, their diaper was leaking and they sat in one place. And let's say that place is now stained, you see the Najasa for example, you can smell it. Then in that case you just move aside and you pray because there is a gap between you and that place. Okay. Wasala Abu Huraira al-masjid bi salat al imami. Abu Huraira, he prayed on the roof of the mosque following the Imam's prayer. Now the Imam is praying in the masjid and Abu Huraira is praying on the roof. Now this shows that the person who is following the imam, he can pray right behind the imam and he can pray on the roof, he can pray in a different room, he can pray even outside the masjid, but there is some conditions that apply. What are those conditions? That first of all, he should be able to hear the imam. He or she should be able to hear the imam. Alright? Why? Yes, because you have to follow. Remember that seeing the imam is not a condition, but hearing the imam is a condition. That sometimes the imam, let's say there's no microphone. He says the takbir, but everybody cannot hear him. So five rows behind him, there's a person who repeats takbir. You can hear them, it's okay. So the first thing is that you should be able to hear the imam. The second thing is that you can only pray outside the masjid. And outside means the roof or right outside the gate, right outside the door, on the street, in your hotel room, in the case of Medina or Mecca, especially in the month of Ramadan, when? When the masjid is full. But if the masjid is not full, then you can't pray in your hotel room out of convenience. So for example, in, in the month of Ramadan, literally, there are rows in the streets. The masjid is full. The roads are full. Right? The hotel lobbies are full. So the rows are literally coming up to your, to the floor that where you're staying. So in that case, you can hear the imam. In some places they even have speakers literally in the bedrooms, in the apartments. So in that case, you can follow the imam from there because you can hear the imam. And the masjid is full. But if the masjid is not full, then you don't do that. Inshallah, we will learn that a person can even pray on the bed. That the rows have to be muttasil. That the rows behind the imam should be continuous until where you are. Not that there is a big gap in the middle and just for the sake of convenience you just stand wherever you are. Because what's the harm in that? What's the harm in that? Hmm? You're far from the Imam. And for, for the men, the best rows are which ones? The ones in the front, closest to the Imam. Right? And then with the big gap in the middle, nobody can pass you and go there. People will think that the masjid is full. And then what will happen? More people are suffering. Right? So, وَصَلَّ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَةَ عَلَىٰ ظَهْرِ الْمَسْجِدِ بِصَلَاتِ الإمامي. Now remember that the objective of jama'ah, the objective of congregation, is to collectively, is ijtima'ah, the being together of makan, zaman, and af'al with the imam. Ijtima'ah of makan, zaman, and af'al with the imam. What does it mean? That the place where you pray is the same as that of the imam. The zaman, the time when you pray is the same as that of the imam. And the af'al, the actions that you perform are also in sync with the actions of the imam. So this is the objective of jama'ah. If you can't hear the imam, then how will it be? If you're in a different place, then that's not jama'ah. Okay? And the place where you're praying, even if it's outside the masjid, it will only be considered the same place when the rows are continuous. Yeah, That should not be done. So for example, if a person is in irtikaf and the imam is leading the prayer, whether it is nafl or fard, then what should they do? They should pray in the rows, not in their own cubicle. Okay? You should pray in the rows because you cannot form a separate row of your own when there is space in the masjid. Jama'ah is from jamr and jamr means together. So the point of jamara is together. So if you're praying alone, when the people are praying together, how can that be jama'ah? Well Ibn Umar And Ibn Umar prayed on snow. So again back to the different surfaces. So Abu Huraira prayed on the roof, that's okay. And Ibn Umar prayed on snow. Can you imagine? It is said that Ibn Umar he went to Azerbaijan, okay? Russia. And it gets really cold over there. And it snowed and the snow prevented him from travelling for six months. For six months he wasn't able to travel and for this entire time he was shortening the prayer because he was just waiting any day that the weather would become better so that he could leave but he wasn't able to. And there was so much snow that he prayed on the snow. I was just thinking about it that these days when it snows we are so comfortable and warm inside our houses that we don't even need to touch the snow, literally. We don't touch snow with our bare hands. Imagine having to do sujood on the snow. Your head touching was us know. And on top there is salah. Qiyam and yes. Long Qiyam, long sujud and the khushur that they had. So I was sharing that when you pray in this kind of circumstance, let's say if you have no other choice but pray on snow, those are the most memorable prayers as well. We do pray otherwise as well, but I've uh, like we've been through this experience where there was no other choice, where we really had to. Of course, we didn't have that long <laughs> ruku and sujood, the kind of prayers that we have, our deficiencies may not forgive us. Mm-hmm. But yes, those are the most memorable prayers. And your iman actually gets a boost there, yes. that no matter what, what Allah has asked, you have to do it. Yes. So you feel good about it as yeah. well. Right? I'm right. sure it's Ibn Abbas. Haddathana علي Ali عبد الله qala haddathana Sufyan qala haddathana Abu Hazim qala sā'alu s-sahla ibn Sa'd The people asked s ibn Sa'd min ayy shay'in from which material, from which thing al-minbaru was the minbar. The minbar of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on which he would stand. What was it made of? Faqala, so he said, ma baqiy bin nasi from the people, no one has remained. أَعْلَمُ مني, Who knows better than me about what? About the member. Meaning there is no other person who is alive today who knows more about the member than me. What does it mean? That all the companions who were aware of the details of that, that member had passed away. هُوَ مِنْ أَثْلِ الْغَابَةِ He said it was made from أَثْلِ of الْغَابَةِ What is أَثْل? أَثْل is... A kind of a tree We learn about this in Surah Sabah Athlim, That the people of, of Sabah When they were ungrateful What happened? Their good trees Were replaced with Thorny plants, right? Athel. The word Athel comes over there So anyway Athel is a kind of a tree So And Raba is a place near Medina Okay Where this particular tree was Very common And from this people Would make various things Including vessels and they would also use its leaves in order to wash clothes. So he said that it was made from Atl of Gab. Amilahu Fulanun Maula Fulanata. That so and so, the freed slave of so and so woman, he made that podium. He made that mimbar. For who? Li Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. qama alayhi rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa hina umila. And the Prophet ﷺ, he stood on it when it was made. وَوُضِعَ And it was placed. So it was made, it was put in its place. The Prophet ﷺ stood on it. فَاسْتَقْبَلَ الْقِبْلَةَ And he faced the qibla. kabbara. He did the takbir. And remember, he's standing on the mimbar. So he faced the qibla, standing on the mimbar. He did the takbir. وَقَامَ النَّاسُ خَلْفَهُ And the people stood behind him. فَقَرَأَ وَرَكَعَ وَرَكَعَ النَّاسُ خلفه. So he recited, meaning in the Qiyam, and then he performed Rukur, while he was still standing on the mimba, and the people did Rukur behind him, and where were the people? On the ground. ثُمَّ رَفَعَ رأسه. Then he lifted his head, meaning he got up from Rukur, ثُمَّ رَجَعَ القهقر. Then he returned, meaning he went backwards, القَهْقَرَ, القهقر meaning uh, he, he went backwards, you know, he didn't turn around, he just stepped back. Okay, He just stepped back, got down. A very slight movement. ثُمَّ رَجْعَ فَسَجْدَ على الأرض. And then he did sajda on the ground. ثُمَّ عَادَ إِلَى الْمِنْبَرِ Then after the sujood, what happened? He returned to the mimbar. Why? To begin the second rakah. ثُمَّ قَرَأَ ثُمَّ رَكَعَ Then he recited and he did rukur. Then he lifted his head, meaning got up from rukur. Then again he went back, backwards, meaning he didn't turn, but he just stepped back. Hatta sajda bil until he did sajda on the ground. Fahada so this was its state, meaning of the member. This is what I know about it. Now, this was the new member, okay, that Sahal bin Sa'ad is describing, okay, on which the Prophet sallallahu prayed. And what happened to the old member? What happened? It cried and wept like a baby. The people literally heard it sobbing. The Prophet ﷺ then held it literally like a child until it stopped crying. So anyway, what is narrated over here is the state of the new member of the Prophet But That when it was brought, he led the people while he was standing on the member. Now there is a couple of things that we learn here. First of all, we see that the Prophet ﷺ prayed on the member. So it is allowed for the imam to pray on a higher level. Such as a mimbal, a stage, and the rest of the people are behind him. However, there is one condition. That the sajda, he will perform where? On the ground. He has to get down on the ground and perform the sajda because that is what the Prophet did. But let's say, it's not the mimbar, it's a stage. So it's big enough, it's stable enough, he can even do sajda there. Again, he should not do sajda there if he is standing alone. So for example, it's a big state like this this size. Then there should be at least one row behind him. Even if two people can stand behind him, they should. And if they're doing sajda there, then he will. But if nobody else is standing with him, then he should not do sajda on it. He should rather get down on the ground and then do sajda. Why? Because it seems like a person is too high above others. Alright? So this is the reason why the imam should come down on the ground in order to do sajda. And why is he allowed to perform the rest of the prayer on the mimbar? For two reasons. There are two benefits in this. Firstly, the people can follow easily. Okay? He's visible from far. People can follow easily. And secondly, people can learn how to pray. Because in another narration we learn, Prophet said that I did this wali taallamu salatakum so that you can learn your prayer. Because the people could see Okay now he's reciting Okay he's doing rukur You think there were classes like we have today Of how to pray At the time of the Prophet wasallam? You think fiqh of salah was taught like that No People learned from the example of the Prophet wasallam. People learned from one another And everybody again did not have the time to sit with someone And somebody would teach them everything No They would come to the masjid See the Prophet wasallam, and follow him So when he prayed on the mimba The people learned how to pray Another thing we learn here is that the ma'mum, the person who is following the imam, he can even look at the imam. Because obviously, if the Prophet sallam said that, so that you can follow me and you can learn your prayer, it means that the people saw him. But remember, this is only in the case where there is a need to look at the imam. Because like I said earlier, for jama'ah, you have to be able to hear the imam. Seeing the imam is not necessary. So in which situation... Would a person have the need to look at the Imam? Okay. So for example, you think that the Imam is making a mistake. For example, he said, Allahubba, when you should be saying samiyallahu li man hamdha. so you want to make sure that what's happening, so you look. That's okay. But definitely it happens that for example, a person joins a salah in the middle somewhere and they don't know if the people are getting up or just sitting in the shahud, Right? That's say They joined in the sajda. So in that case, they need to look. Can they look? Yes, they can. Right. Now, the men, they can tell because if they're standing next to another man, it's possible. But a woman who's standing alone by herself, she has to look, right? So she is allowed to look. Likewise, there could be a person who is unable to hear, right? Or the sound is very, very low. So in that case, they look at the imam to see if the imam is going down in Rukur, getting up from Rukur, what's happening? To follow the imam, basically. Yes? This is the reason why when the Prophet ﷺ removed his shoes in prayer, the people noticed, they saw, and this is why they also took their shoes off in prayer. A person has just started to learn how to pray, and they have the need to, to see somebody praying. So they can do that. It's not going to disturb their prayer. But remember that whatever the situation is, if there is a need to look at the Imam, you may do so, but it should be limited. Not that a person is constantly looking at the imam. No, they should be looking at the place of sajda. Only when there is a need, then they can look at the imam. First of all, it should be avoided as much as possible. And secondly, when there is a need, it should be limited. On the mimba? He or... can do the sajda on the mimba? No. When he is alone? No. The imam is praying on a high place. Okay? And the rest of the people are praying on the ground. Okay. Now what happens is that when the imam has to do sajdah, he has to get down from that high place on ground level, do sajda right next to the mimbar, and then get back onto the mimbar to do the qiyam and the rukur and everything else. Okay? My question is that if there's nobody else... Um, on the mimbar with him? Oh, maybe he's just praying alone. By himself? By himself. Then there's no need to stand on the mimbar. Okay? The reason why the imam would stand on the mimbar is... Either that people can see him or that people can hear him because if he's standing, you know, on on a high level, then his voice will, will be louder. So that's okay. But if he's praying by himself, then there is no need for him to impose his difficulty on himself. What I mentioned earlier was that if the stage or the mimbar is big enough, stable enough that the imam feels he can do sajda. You know, one is that the mimbar is not big enough. And the other is that it is big enough. It is very stable. And he says that why should I get down? I should just do sajda here. No, he should not do that. The only situation where he will do sajda on the mimbar, on a high surface, is when other people are also praying on the high surface along with him. We have to look at what? Mm -hmm. The place of sajda. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're like concentrating on the salah. Can we close our eyes? No. You should not close your eyes in the prayer. Then we also learn in this that a person can move in the prayer. A haraka okay, yasira, An easy, small, slight movement where there is necessity. So the imam gets down from the mimbar to sajda. And then he gets up onto the mimbar to stand in prayer. That's a movement. But it's necessary. He can do that. Likewise, if a person has to adjust the microphone. you know, Sometimes you're watching these videos and you feel that the imam is adjusting the microphone. You're like, where is their khushur? No, don't think like that. It's a necessary movement which they need to make. Don't think it contradicts khushur. Likewise, you may be praying somewhere and a child comes and sits right in front of you. You're praying by, by yourself, for example. Or lies down in front of you. And You know that if you move the child already, the, the child's mood is not that great. So what do you do? You move a little bit onto the other side and you do such that there. No harm. Or your cat comes and sits in front of you. Then you move a little bit. The body and the face remains in the direction of the Qibla because the Prophet ﷺ, right? he just stepped back and then he moved forward. قَالَ أَبُوْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ قَالَ عَلِيُّ بْنُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ سَأَلَنِي أَحْمَدُ بن So Abu Abdullah, meaning Imam Bukhari, he says that قَالَ عَلِيُّ بْنُ عَبْدِ الله Ali ibn Abdullah, he said, Ahmad ibn Hanbul, He asked me, رحمه about this hadith. He said that the reason why I mentioned this hadith was to prove that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was الناس, on a higher place than the rest of the people. So, there's no harm if the Imam is on a higher place than the rest of the people. Because of this hadith قَالَ فَقُلْتُ إِنَّ سُفْيَانَ بْنَ يُسْأَلُ عَنْ هَذَا كَثِيرًا Something else Which we don't need to go into detail So anyway The ulub The imam may be on a higher place Than the people who are following him But remember that this ulub should be Slight Not extreme Okay So for example the mimbar Or a stage Is just one or two or three steps maximum not that there is a separate place made for the Imam, so that he stands over there and the rest of the people are under. No. That's not appropriate. Okay? Because he should be able to get down for sajda easily, and get back on for the prayer easily. Haddathana <laughs> Muhammad ibn Abdul Rahim, qala haddathana Yazid ibn Harun, qala akbarana humaydun al-tawil, an anas ibn Malikin, ana rasulallah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He fell down from his horse. So it got scraped. What got scraped? Sa'kuhu, his leg, auqatifu, or his shoulder. So he fell from his horse, his leg or his shoulder, one of them, it got scraped. Wa'ala, and at the same time, the Prophet صلى had also done ilah min nisa'ihi from his wives, shahrun for a month. What does it mean by ala? Ala is basically from Aliya, which is half, to swear an oath. Of what? Abstinence, right? That the Prophet ﷺ had sworn an oath of staying away from his wives. For how long? For an entire month. When did this happen? We learn about this in Surah Al-Ahzab. Right? When the wives of the Prophet ﷺ demanded from him an increase in their monthly stipend. Because so many spoils would come to Medina from all over. And the Prophet ﷺ would give so generously to the people. You know, servants and gold and clothes and everything. Even land. He would give so generously to the people. That once, Abbas, he was given so much that he was trying to put everything in that cloth in order to take it. All that he was given. And he couldn't carry it. It was so much. And he asked for help from the Prophet his nephew. And he said, to take as much as you can. So, he gave so generously to the people. But his own family... He gave limited. Why? Because he was to set an excellent example for the people. Remember when Fatima came to ask for a servant? What did he tell her? That I'll give you something better. Right? He didn't give her the servant, but he taught her something much better. Tasbihat. So the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, they also asked for an increase. But the Prophet ﷺ did not give. And he was displeased. And for that he said, I'm not going to be with you for an entire month. And then the ayat were revealed, which we learn in Surah Al-Ahzab. So anyway, wa'ala min nisa'ihi shahrun. At the same time, this had happened. Fajalasa, so he would sit, meaning he would stay, fi mashrubatil lahu in a mashruba for him. What is mashruba? Mashruba is basically al-gurfa al-murtafi'a. is a room that is on a higher level, so basically like an attic room. So it was in the masjid, around that area but it was on a higher place. He would stay there. darajatuha min judurin, And its ladder, meaning the stairs that would go up to that room were made from judur, from palm trunks, date palm trunks. فَأَتَاهُ أَصْحَابُهُ So his companions would come to him, nahu to visit him. Because firstly, he was staying away from his wives. And secondly, he was injured. So they would come to visit him. فَصَلَّا بِهِمْ جَالِسِينَ and the Prophet ﷺ would pray with them, جالسين while he would be sitting. وَهُمْ Qiyamun and they would be standing. Why would he be sitting? Because of his injury. فَلَمَّا سلما, then when he did the salam, meaning he ended the prayer, qāla he said إنَّمَا جُعِلَ الْإِمَامُ لِيُؤْتَمَّ بِهِ. Do you know this hadith? Have you heard of the statement before? إنَّمَا جُعِلَ الْإِمَامُ لِيُؤْتَمَّ بِهِ. Are you familiar with the statement? Yeah? No? Okay, That the imam has been made Has been placed Why? In order to be followed What's the purpose of having the imam? What's the objective? To follow him So when the imam is there He's leading in prayer Then what should you do? Pray your own prayer? No, you're supposed to follow him Which means that when he Goes to do rukur Then you do rukur فَإِذَا كَبَّرَ فَكَبِّرُ So when he does takbir Then do takbir Not before him and not five minutes later. No, when he does it, then you do takbir as well. Wa ida raka When he goes into ruku, then you do rukur. Wa ida Sajada, When he does sajda, then you go into sajda. Wa in salla qaiman. And if he prays while standing, fasaluqiam. then you also pray standing. Wa nazzala li And then he came down, meaning he, he left that place. He went home when at the passage of tisrin twenty nine. فَقَالُوا يَا رسول الله. So the people, they said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, إِنَّكَ آلَيْتَ شَهْرًا You had sworn in oath for an entire month. فَقَالَ so sa'id إِنَّ الشَّهْرَةَ تِسْعُونَ وَعِشْرُونَ The month is also 29 days. Right? Sometimes it's 30, and other times it is 29 days. now in this narration, it seems that the companions asked him. In other narration, we learned that Aisha رضي asked him this. But this was not in objection, or in criticism, in sarcasm, not at all. Just curiosity. That did you break the oath or did you... Or what happened here? Because the thing is that when there is ila, then basically a husband is swaying an oath. That I swear, I will stay away from you for a month, for two months, for three months. But it's only up to how many months? Four months. In the Quran we learn four months only. And then if a person returns before that term is over, the term that he said he would stay away from his wife from, Let's say he says, I'm going for two months. I'm not going to see you for two months. I swear I'm not going to come to you for two months. He's angry. He says two months. After a month he says, too much, I have to go back. So then what does he have to do? Break the oath, give the kafara. Now let's say he says two months and he's not back, even after two months. Then in that case, either he gives a divorce or he returns. Okay. And if he doesn't give divorce, then the wife has the right to demand divorce in that situation. But anyway, the purpose of Ila because you know, for other people to do this it makes sense. But the Prophet doing Ila, you you know you wonder, the Prophet said, The best of you are those who are the best to their wives and I am the best to my wives. So why did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa do this? Why? Because ila, the purpose behind this is not ila. it is not to hurt the wife. It is for the purpose of Tahdib. It is for the purpose of discipline. Okay? It is not to hurt, torture, take revenge. No. It is in order to discipline. Because the thing is that when a person is upset with you, right? And, you know, if they come arguing and fighting, then what will happen? You have no respect for them, right? You can argue back as well. You can fight back too. But where they become silent and they ignore and they maintain a distance, then that distance eats you up. Right? Right? And you'll do anything to fix things then. Correct? So this is one of the best ways of showing disapproval. Not fighting and arguing, but maintaining a distance. And this is obviously for the purpose of what? Discipline. For who? For the wife. The three companions who didn't go for expedition to Tabuk, what happened? There was a boycott for 40 days from them, Right? That is also for the purpose of discipline. It doesn't mean that if the Imam is sitting then you should also sit. Maybe someone who was praying behind him, you know, did not follow properly, so he was teaching them the proper way of following the Imam. Okay? But it doesn't mean that if the Imam is sitting then the people also have to sit behind him. Because we see at other occasions also, Prophet sat down and led the people in prayer, for example at Uhud, near the time of his death, but the people stood and prayed behind him. You know, the man being the qawwam, he needs to discipline his wife. So he swears an oath that I will stay away from you for one month or two months. It's a different situation. A wife cannot say, you know, I'm upset with you, so I'm leaving for a month. No, because this will get her into more difficulty. I mean, there's other things that she can adopt, make in order to have him learn a lesson, but not like, I swear I'm not going to come to you for a month. No, she she doesn't have any control over this. Because, فَالصَّالِحَةُ قَانِتَةٌ yes, this is something that works very well because the moment you, you know, we start yelling at children, they also start yelling. But if you get down and you whisper or you talk softly, then they listen. Right? When you talk softly, then they will listen. And if you start yelling, they become deaf. Right? It's befitting for the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu to make this kind of a demand. بَاب إِذَا أَصَابَ ثَوْبُ إِمْرَأَتَهُ إِذَا When the garment of someone praying touches his wife when he prostrates. musalli hmm? is the one who is praying. So when he إِذَا when he does sajda, his clothes, they touch his wife. Is that okay? Does that break the prayer? No, it doesn't break the prayer. Because if the place of prayer is small and if she's sitting nearby or she may be praying nearby maybe behind her perhaps Let's say she's in Sajdah and he goes down into Sajdat and his clothes, they touch her head or something. Is that a problem? Not at all. It doesn't invalidate anybody's prayer. Hadatana <speaking> Musadun and Khadidin Kala Haddatana Sulaimanu Shaybani, you are an abdullah ni shadin and maimunatahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet was praying Wa ana hidaahu and I was next to him. <speaking in> wa <Hebrew> anaha'il and I was menstruating. So she was not praying and he was praying. وَرُبَّمَا أَصَابَنِي ثَوْبُهُ إِذَا سجد. And sometimes his garment would touch me when he would do sajda. قَالَتْ وَكَانَ يُصَلِّي عَلَى الْخُمْرَةِ She said and he would pray on a small mat. So there's no harm if a person's clothes touch his wife in the prayer. بَابَ عَلَى الحصيري. Praying on a straw mat. Now another material is mentioned. We learned about ice, snow, wood, it's all permissible. Likewise, a straw mat is also permissible, and a straw mat is permissible. Then a mat made of some other fabric, some fabric, is also permissible. Because if you remember in Kitabu Ta'imum, I had mentioned to you that some scholars they they preferred that when a person prays, his face should touch the ground, right, and that their nose and their forehead should touch the ground and and be like rubbed into dust. Because when a person is covered in dust, then It's more humility. And before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is excellent, right? To be more humble. Now this doesn't mean that a person cannot pray on, you know, a mat. No, it is permissible. So for example, the floor is very cold. Or you're outside and people are walking there with their shoes. So you want to, you know, put some clean mat, there's no harm in that. It's not an innovation basically to use a prayer mat. As long as it is not distracting you The colors are not distracting you وصلى جَابِرٌ وَأَبُوْ سَعِيدٍ فِي السَّفِينَةِ قَائِمًا And Jabir and Abu Saeed They both prayed on a ship How? Standing They both prayed while they were standing Wakal Hasanu And Hassan he said تُصَلِّ قَائِمًا You can pray standing Where? On a ship عَلَىٰ أصحابك. As long as you do not cause any difficulty On who? Your companions معها, you just turn with the ship. Wa illa, and if not, فَقَاعِدًا Then pray sitting. Now this is another point that we learn here, that, you know, when it comes to praying on different surfaces, it happens to be on a ship, in a car, in an airplane. Okay? And it's not possible to stop. You can stop your own car, but if you're traveling on a bus, you can't have them stop, you know, so that you can pray your Maghrib and Ishar, you can pray your Zuhur and Asr. Right? You can't do that. So in that case, you have to pray where you are. Now the rule is what? That fault prayer, you have to pray standing. And Nafal prayer, you can pray sitting. Now let's say you stand up in order to pray your fault prayer and you happen to be on a ship, on a boat. And obviously, what happens to a boat or a ship? It moves a lot. Even airplane. You do have turbulence every now and then. So if you stand and pray... And then all of a sudden there's some turbulence and you fall on people who are sitting next to you, then you're causing them hardship, you're causing them difficulty. Likewise, you have limited space that you have been provided in the aircraft, right? And if you stand over there, and in order to do rukur, you are literally pushing the person sitting before you, you're praying in the, in the passageway, then this is not appropriate. Then what do you have to do? In this situation, what did Hassan al-Basri say? illa faqa'idan. If it's not possible to stand and pray, then you will just pray while sitting. So one thing that you can do is do Qiyam while standing, and then for Rukur and for sujood sit down. Alright? One more thing that we learned here is that he said, taduru ma'aha. That on the ship, when you're praying, you turn with it. What does it mean? That... As the ship Let's say the ship is traveling In the direction of the Qibla Okay It's moving in the direction of the Qibla So you started the prayer And you're facing the Qibla And this is false prayer by the way And let's say the ship turns right Then in that case You're not facing the Qibla anymore So what did he say? Taduru ma'ha. You turn with it So you turn to the left Why? In order to continue to face the Qibla But this is only possible When you are on a ship And the air is, you know, the space, the horizon is clear, and you have an idea of what's going on. If you're in a closed aircraft, you have no idea what's happening. Or let's say you're traveling in a bus, and the bus moves, you can move a little bit. But in a situation where you can't tell, then you're not required to. And in majority of the situations, you're not able to tell. So, wa وَإِلَّا فقار, Then If it's not possible for you, then there is no حَوَرْت. You can just sit and pray. As long as you start the prayer... While facing the qibla, then it doesn't matter. In an aircraft, you don't have the option sometimes of facing the qibla because the seats are fixed in a particular direction. Nafal, you can. Then it's like the situation of the fear prayer, okay, Salatul Khawf, which is that a person, he prays however he is, okay, even while walking or running, even while fighting. But it's best to avoid such a situation, but if it's not possible, فاتقوا اللهم حدثنا عبد الله قال اخبرنا مالك عن اسحاق بن عبد الله بن ابي طَلْحَةَ عن انس بن مالك ان جدته that his grandmother Mulaikata, دعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لطعام صَنَعَتْهُ له she invited the prophet sallallahu for some food that she had prepared for him فاكل منه so he ate from it ثم قال he said قوموا لكم stand so that i can pray for you meaning i can lead you in prayer قَالَ إِلَى حَصِيرٍ لَنَا So I stood, meaning I got up in order to get, in order to fetch, حَصِيرٍ لَنَا A mat of ours. قَدْ Which had become black. Why? مِن طُولِ Because of the long time, long duration that it had been worn, meaning it had been used. We had used it so much that it had become black. So I sprinkled some water over it. Why? To freshen it up. فقام الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stood up وصففت And I made a صف واليتيم And the orphan child وراءه behind him So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stood I and the Yatim stood behind him Making a row Ajuzu, And the elderly woman He was referring to His grandmother She was من wara'ina Behind us So you see there are only four people But three rows فصلى لنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ركعتيني he led us in two rakah, And then he ended the prayer Then he left Now there's a couple of things we see here First of all that The Prophet ﷺ was invited for food And he responded He accepted And he ate But he didn't just eat But he also Prayed there Secondly we see that This was Nafl Salah So Nafl can also be in Congregation In Jamal So for example Taraweeh That's what? Nafl Salah Likewise There's a new class that's beginning On orientation day, let's say there is nafl, everybody prays in congregation. Is that permissible? Yes, it is. It's not something that should be done every single day. But on certain occasions, there is absolutely no harm in that. Thirdly, we see that if a man is leading, let's say, children or women in salah, other people in salah, then no matter what their number is, they have to form their rows. So for example, two children, they're standing in one row. They're not standing with the imam because they are two. They make their own row. A woman, she's one, but she will make her own row. She will not stand with the children, with the boys, okay? because they're big enough to form a separate row. Likewise, she will not stand with the imam, even if he is her husband, or brother, or whoever. No, she has to form a separate row. Because we see here, that the woman prayed in her row, and the children prayed in their row. Because sometimes we might feel that He's my husband, what's the big deal? Or he's my brother, what's the big deal? I can stand next to him. No, you cannot. You cannot stand next to your son. You cannot stand next to your brother. You cannot stand next to your father or your husband. Any male relative in prayer. You have to form your own role. Even if it means you're standing alone. No matter what the situation is. Because sometimes, you know, we see this in the haram. That men are standing and right next to them, their women are standing. Not allowed. Not allowed. Or at home. Not allowed. You have to stand in your own room. And also we learn over here that a person can pray on a mat. As long as it is pahir. Don't worry about the color. As long as it is pahir. And it should not be distracting. As long as there is a distance. You know, one is slightly ahead, one is slightly behind. There is a distance in the middle. That's okay. Okay, But in jama'ah, both cannot stand together. Okay, And this means that men and women should not be, there should not be such free mixing that they're literally sitting next to one another, standing next to one another. Imagine if it's not allowed in prayer. And how can it be allowed at school or work? There are places which are designated. Okay, so this is why the adhan is given after some time the iqama is pronounced. So when the adhan is given, head towards the women's side. Then find some women and stand with them. Okay, so... Okay? I was reading something and it mentioned how um, if you can't find it and there's men around, you should just not pray and wait until later. Yeah, because you should not be standing next to the men. Okay, because remember that congregation praying in congregation, jama'ah is not an obligation upon the women, but it is an obligation on them to stand in their own row when they are praying in congregation. It is disrespectful to have your feet in the direction of the qibla if you're sitting down, but it is not something that's forbidden. Okay. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh